0: Welcome to the Aging Project podcast. Thank you for being here. I'm your host, Shelley Kraft. As I've got older, I've come to realize we all need advice when it comes to aging well. So, for season 1 of the show, I've pulled together the best possible support team for us. Doctors, researchers, coaches, and creatives. Nothing is off limits. Food and nutrition, movement and mobility, menopause and gut health, finding a sense of meaning. I want to cover it all. I believe with the Ageing Project community banded together, our choices will be infinitely better, more informed, more considered. So if, like me, you believe Ageing Well starts now, then let's get going and start learning from some of the best. Welcome to today's episode. That
1: menopause or or perimenopause is a real opportunity to think about what's working for you and what isn't working, to make changes, to listen to your body and if things are, you know, if you have symptoms, what is that trying to tell you? And then working on them um, and then also addressing all those underlying health issues, which can make the perimenopausal transition worse. So it's an invitation to create a more optimal life but you've got to slow down and you've got to get quiet enough to listen to what your body is trying to tell you. That would be the big thing.
0: Today we are talking
1: to the wonderful Dr. Peter
0: Wright, the founder of the Vera Women's Wellness Centre about menopause and perimenopause. Many of you have asked for more information on this topic, which I completely understand, or don't understand, just like you. It's bizarre how many of us, me included, arrive at 40 or 50 years of age and still know so little about something that impacts each and every one of us and our families. With that in mind, I have done my best to ask all the questions I know you want the answers to. I feel really grateful we found Dr. Peter, whose insight and perspective on this topic makes the big M sound more like a beautiful transition than something to fear. So let's dive in. There is so much to cover. Peter, it's wonderful having you with us today on the Aging Project podcast. Thank you for your time. Can you give us an insight into the women who come to
1: your centre for menopause or perimenopause and what's going on for them? Hi Shelley, thanks so much for having me today. Uh, Yes, I see lots of women from all age ranges, from young girls all the way through to post-menopause, and a a group of women that I'm seeing more and more at the moment are women who are in that perimenopause time, which just means the years around menopause, Mm -hmm. and often they're in there. Early to mid forties, and they might come in talking about uh, disturbed sleep, uh, shortened or irregular periods, sometimes heavier periods, Um, hot flushes that we hear about more often than not when we talk when we when we think about menopause and perimenopause, Um, mood changes. So more anger, sometimes more anxiety is a huge one, and often women sort of they think that it might be something to do with their hormones but they're also a half wondering if they're going crazy if they, is there' something else going on um, they're often the common early symptoms of perimenopause which begin up to 10 years before menopause actually happens and I guess some definitions that can be helpful to the audience are that mm-hmm. menopause is defined as the time when our periods actually stop so postmenopause is one year after, our periods stop and in australia the age the average age of menopause is around 51. so if we're in our 40s that's coming up pretty soon and and then perimenopause is that the seven to ten years around that time and i think the other thing is i always describe perimenopause as a second adolescence because of the erratic nature of our hormones at this time but i'm part of my mission is to rebrand menopause so that it's not seen as this evil, awful thing that we all should be afraid of, but a real opportunity to transition into this new chapter in our lives. There's this beautiful, beautiful, North American proverb that goes like this, that I always talk to all of my, the women that come to see me who are afraid, worried about what's on the other side of menopause, worried about the symptoms and the things that they're experiencing, that I always talk to them about. And it goes like this. At puberty, a woman meets her power. In her menstruating years, she practices her power. And at menopause, she becomes her power. And I think that's just so beautiful and actually the truth of the matter and i guess my mission is to help the women who come to see me with symptoms that are disrupting their quality of life to help them understand what's actually going on in their bodies to help them learn how to listen to what their bodies are trying to tell them to let them know that there's heaps of things we can do to help and that they're not you know not alone and they're not it's not something that they have to put up with but also to help them realize that they're coming into their power. And this is a really crucial, amazing transition time in their lives. And it's something to be, to feel positive about and not afraid of.
0: That is a really exciting way to look at it. I've got an 11-year-old daughter who I know is heading in that direction and to change the conversations that I would have had with my mother back then uh, to make it an exciting time. And as you say in that that beautiful proverb, giving it power and and celebrating becoming a woman, uh, to look at menopause the same way, that is an awesome, awesome way to go about it. So today, hopefully, we can help change that conversation um, around menopause for everyone who's listening. Why is this topic so close to your heart? Because you look a lot younger than me, I can tell you
1: that right now. (laughs) I turned 40 this year, Shelley, so not that much younger. Um, It's close to my heart because I think all of, I suppose, women's issues, which I hate that word, I hate that phrase, but um, as a gynecologist, I have the privilege of listening to women's stories day in, day out. And I think the common thing, it doesn't start with menopause, but the common thread that I see amongst women, probably particularly women of our generation, of our age, is that we were never taught to actually really listen to what's going on in our bodies. We were never really taught about the unbelievable things that are happening inside them from the menstrual cycle. I mean, I could see a woman who's 42 who has no idea about what's happening in the menstrual cycle each month. A woman who might be, you know, in her late 30s or even even mid 40s, who's been on the pill for 20 years, who has no idea a how it works, b how their own body works, and so I think that's another big big thing when it comes to menopause. All of a sudden, um, women who haven't had that invitation to really listen, tune in, get to know how their own bodies work, are faced with this other huge change, and like that's difficult if you've never understood. The beauty of what's happening in the first place or you haven't been able to understand the signs that your body's been telling you my whole thing is that the menstrual cycle is a reflection about underlying health it's not this thing that's divorced from the rest of our bodies so if periods are irregular off painful we have hormonal symptoms it's a way our body is trying to tell us that something um, bigger is going on beneath the surface and so when we haven't learnt how to listen to those messages in our menstruating years, I think the time of perimenopause and menopause can be very challenging, as well as the fact that we live in such a um, youth-obsessed kind of patriarchal culture that um, tells us that we're only worthy if we're young or we look a certain way. And I think that... um, that that can make aging and that menopause transition which is this big in your face this is actually happening this is a letting go and you are aging like men don't quite have the same um, very obvious transition phase it's a big reminder that this is a new chapter in our lives and I think that's another reason why we find it challenging but basically I'm passionate about it because I'm passionate about helping women tune into their own inner wisdom because I think that that's that can change the world if women understand how their, their bodies work.
0: That's it. We have the power, don't we? And the fact that we're sitting here today talking so openly about it, imagine being of our mother's generations and they would have suffered in silence uh, without being t- able to discuss it with perhaps their friends or their mothers because
1: it was such a, a taboo thing to talk about. Absolutely. And another quote for you. Gloria Steinem who's an amazing, she's in her 80s now, she's an incredible feminist who kind of led the women's lib movement in America in the 60s and 70s. And she has this fabulous quote about um, women become radical with age and, you know, soon there will be an army of grey haired women um, taking over the earth. And I love that as well, because we need to, you um, Imagine how different the world would be if women knew their power at this age with all of the wisdom under our belts, all of our lived experience, rather than spending all of our time in fear about the changes to our body or or what the next chapter brings. Imagine if we all embraced that power.
0: Oh, I think it's coming, Peter. I think it really is coming. Now, when we first started talking today, you did run through uh, some of those symptoms and signs, things we need to look out for. But what happens and how long does this actually go for?
1: So it's really variable, Shelley. So as I said earlier, it can be, some women can have no symptoms at all. They can have regular periods right up until the day that they stop and they can have minimal symptoms. Um, That's probably about 20% of women. Around 60% of women will have mild to moderate symptoms for for you know around four or five years. And the thing that happens in our bodies are uh, we always think about menopause as this loss of estrogen. Mm-hmm. But really it's much more complex than that. So our female hormones, just as a very quick recap, we have estrogen progesterone and we have test a little bit of testosterone that are made in our ovaries and I guess menopause is the time where our ovaries are they've worked really really hard all of our lives they're ready to go on holiday and they've they've they want to stop making those hormones but it's not as simple as just you know cold turkey stopping estrogen what happens first is we lose progesterone and progesterone is not a hormone that we talk about or hear about or um, as much as estrogen. Um, mm-hmm. Estrogen is made at the beginning of our cycle. It's the hormone that lays down the lining of the uterus that um, when it does go down, it's usually responsible for hot flushes and things like that. But it's made predominantly in the first part of our cycle before ovulation. And then after ovulation, that's when we make progesterone. And progesterone has this beautiful effect on our brain it acts like nature's valium so it helps with sleep it helps with anxiety and because it's harder to ovulate than it is to just make estrogen progesterone is the thing that first goes in those perimenopausal years which is often why we get shorter cycles often heavier cycles because progesterone Mm -hmm. keeps estrogen in check so it's like mows down the lawn whereas estrogen is a bit of a fertilizer for the lawn in the uterus so without progesterone we just get these big heavy periods sometimes um disordered disrupted sleep because we don't have that nature's valium on board um, and those increased anxiety mood symptoms as well and so they're often the first kind of symptoms that can happen so if you have been on the pill or
0: are on the pill do you not notice these things changing within you could you go through perimenopause without even knowing that you've reached that yes
1: you totally could because the pill works by basically so it's got synthetic hormones estrogen and progestin that aren't quite the same as what our ovaries make but they're in bigger amounts, and what those hormones do is they talk to our brain and tell the brain, "Hey, I'm making the hormones." The brain and the ovary, which the brain tells the ovary to make hormones, usually. Um, but if the pill's there doing the job of making the hormones, the brain and the ovary just stop. They go to sleep. They they they're being overridden oh by gosh. the pill. So essentially, the pill. So many, so many, so many women will say to me, "I'm on the pill to balance my hormones." Doesn't balance. Doesn't balance your cycle, doesn't do anything like that. It turns off your cycle. It turns off just your
0: overrides altogether.
1: Completely. So if you've you're on the pill, you're just having those pill hormones and your ovaries aren't doing anything anyway. What I often do see though is women who have been on the pill for say 20 years and they might come off it at 45. And they may have a hard, you know, it might be fine, but they may have a harder time with symptoms because. Mm-hmm. They have been used to, they just have this kind of withdrawal all of a sudden of those synthetic hormones and then they haven't had like a natural transition, if you know what I mean. So they've had high levels of estrogen and progesterone, especially on the brain receptors. Um, And if they stop Mm -hmm. that immediately and then they go to erratic levels, like what's happening in your ovaries around perimenopause, that can be a huge sort of shock to the system. And then they'll be like, oh, give me back the pill. I want to stay on it forever.
0: Also, what about if you haven't been on the pill at all and have been using other forms of of contraception, what about going on the pill at 45? Does
1: that work or does that help? Sometimes it does. So I think sometimes for women who might present with some of the symptoms we've talked about, the erratic or heavy cycles, um, heavy periods particularly, or some of the mood symptoms, Sometimes going on the pill can help for for a few years around that time if um, a woman's life is really debilitated by those symptoms. I think the key thing is is to say or to get across to women that this is a natural transition. You don't have to have treatment for it. So having irregular periods around this time is normal because it's part of the normal transition. But if you are having like Flooding, and you know you can't wear your white pants anymore, and you don't know when you're going to have any bleeding. Um, then, for some women, going on 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 the pill around this age can be an effective treatment. Um, mm-hmm. Other things that can be helpful are things like the Myrina, which is a progestin containing um, intrauterine device that helps to thin the lining of the uterus out, so that you're not having those big heavy periods. Although that doesn't affect your ovaries, so your ovaries will continue to do their thing. And then sometimes hormone replacement therapy as well, and a whole host, depending on what the issue is, there's a whole host of, um, of treatments that can be really effective.
0: So that's as far as your cycle goes. And of course, we would recommend that everyone speaks to their GP or gynecologist about that for their own. Um personal treatments. What about what it's doing to us mentally um, and in our homes? What about our sex drive, I guess, is what I'm really going to ask you is, does that drop off? Can we use it as an excuse? Is it just a headache? Um, can you blame Perry and menopause for just can't be stuffed? What, how does it affect the way that we enjoy sex and, and want to have sex with our partners?
1: Yes. So sex and libido is incredibly complicated. If drug companies had have thought of a drug for women and libido, they would think that they'd struck, you know, the jackpot. But because (laughs) women are so complex, it's not just about a pill. A pill will never do it for women because it's complex. So I think that is one of the things that women often talk to me about and there are multiple factors involved. So if you're in, definitely hormones can play a part. So when you have lower estrogen levels and sometimes lower testosterone um, and if you're having you know, heavy bleeding and you're exhausted because you're not sleeping and you've got hot flushes and all of those things, they're all going oh, to Oh, there's so many
0: great excuses there, but are they real excuses or do I need yes. something a little bit more?
1: <laughs> well, I think, Shelley, the other thing is if you're in a long-term relationship, all of the studies will show that women, like this is an inconvenient truth but women get bored of sex in a long-term relationship first so many studies show that so that's another part of it and I think also the the narrative that as women we have to have this spontaneous sex drive and spontaneous desire which often goes away in a long-term relationship despite no matter what's happening with our hormones, um, really makes us feel like we're failing. And I think we need to let go of that narrative and realise that if we're in a long-term relationship that um, we might not have that spontaneous desire but we can have reactive desire and then it's all about creating novelty within our relationship. And then the other thing is we're talking about women who have kids, young kids, elderly parents often often high pressure jobs they're often at the top of their game in their career they've got so much on their plate they're stressed to the eyeballs their cortisol and adrenaline are really high it's you're not going to have a sex drive when you're you've got your fight or flight system activated constantly as well so that's the other thing if you haven't got space in your life to just be To feel sensual, to feel sexual, you're not going to want to have sex either. So there's hormonal issues, there's social issues, there's those relationship issues. So I think it's all about if that's something that's bothering you, that you look at all of those factors. And sometimes we use hormones and sometimes hormones can help, but they won't help in a vacuum. They have to be um, with all of those other things in context. So sometimes, Uh, testosterone can be helpful with your doctor and you have to have um, testosterone blood tests and check levels and all of that but if that is low sometimes that can be beneficial sometimes if your estrogen is low replacing estrogen can be beneficial for sex drive but you've got to deal with the other things because remembering libido is an under is a reflection of your underlying health as well
0: well we are working through some of those other things on the aging project as well so it's lovely that all of it is coming together to create this wonderful uh, combination of knowledge that I'm seeking because as as I mentioned I really didn't think I was getting any older and that it was making any difference but now that it's being pointed out to me in, in so many different conversations that I'm having I am thirsty for information and this is fabulous so if you had five minutes to change the lives of, of myself and, and our listeners what would you want all women in their 40s to know just a quick break in today's episode to mention the aging project 12 week challenge prize that is worth over $4,000 we want to spoil someone from our community whose life and aging journey has been positively impacted by our podcast and the 12 week challenge because that's why we started this whole thing in the first place to improve the lives of women so, one lucky person will win all four prizes, which is a three day mana yoga retreat at Soma in Byron Bay a Vitamix blender, a Lorna Jane voucher and if you feel comfortable telling your story, we would love to welcome you as our podcast guest for season two. But that is optional, although I would love you to sit and chat with me. To get involved, just subscribe by visiting theagingproject.com.au and don't forget to visit our socials for updates. We would love you to join our growing community.
1: If you haven't been doing it over the past 20 years, start listening to your body. Start listening to what your body is trying to tell you and tuning in. The other big thing I would say is slow down. <laughs> so many of the women that I see who come with all kinds of problems, the root root cause or a huge part of it is that they're piling everything onto their plates. They're trying to be everything to everybody else and there's nothing left for them at the end of the day. Um, mm. They're burnt out, essentially, and wondering why they don't have a libido. Wondering why they're exhausted. Um, and I think that this part of our lives is a real invitation to um, feel that universal tap on the shoulder. That this isn't a dress rehearsal. This is it, and that you have the power to sort of to create the life that you want. And also, you've got to slow down and pay attention to what's happening because this is this is it. And the other thing is that menopause or or perimenopause is a time to, it's a real opportunity to think about what's working for you and what isn't working, to make changes, to listen to your body and if things are, you know, if you have symptoms, what is that trying Mm -hmm. to tell you? And then working on them um, and then also addressing all those underlying health issues which can make the perimenopausal transition worse. So it's an invitation to create a more optimal life but you've got to slow down and you've got to get quiet enough to listen to what your body is trying to tell you that would be the big
0: thing. So it really is our wake up call, isn't it? To prepare yes, ourselves for the call. next 50 years of life and to get organized, get, get everything together and, and keep on top of your health. And as you said, so many other things come into it, um, like stress, exercise, supplements. Um, if you're not doing it for you now, when are you ever going to do it for yourself? So it's that little tap on the shoulder that I think we all need.
1: Yeah. And we also know that women who uh, have already have problems with their cycles because it's a reflection of your underlying health when they hit perimenopause women who may have weight issues might be a smoker have more exposure to things called environmental endocrine disrupting chemicals so Mm -hmm. pesticides um phthalates um whole chemicals that are basically in everything they can tend to have more menopausal symptoms as well perimenopausal symptoms Mm -hmm. um and higher stress as well higher stress Um, all of those things will create like the perfect storm of of potentially creating more problems. So it is a wake-up call. So really menopause itself
0: is the end. That's the finish. That is the light at the end of this perimenopausal tunnel. What happens then? Does everything just go back to normal? Do we become our 13-year-old selves? Do we really have this greater sense of
1: self at the end of all of this? That's a great question. We're basically a more energy efficient model. I think this is really important for women to understand because they also come and say, well, my body isn't the same as what it was when I was 25. Why do I have this bit of tummy fat that I didn't have? Or why has my shape changed? Or why can I, I used to be able to eat whatever I wanted and now I can't. Or if I That's do that it. now that, I put that, on weight.
0: That one, you know, one morning they think, oh gee, I can't fit in my skinny jeans. I'll just go for a quick run and when you come back it's all good. That doesn't happen anymore.
1: No. And so I think understanding that our physiology has changed. And if you understand that your physiology has changed, you can work with it to to make sure that the next 40, 50 years of your life are going to be optimal and you're going to have a really healthy lifespan. So the way your physiology changes is Post-menopause, so so perimenopause, you have those erratic hormone levels, up and down estrogen, um, progesterone falling faster. And post-menopause, it's like low estrogen, low progesterone, usually low testosterone as well. There are, without getting too detailed about it, there are three different types of estrogen. The one that's predominant in our reproductive years is called E2 or estradiol, and that's made in our ovaries. So obviously post-menopause, that stops. But oestrogen is actually essential for our bodies to work. And so the other form of oestrogen that we make is called E1 or Estrone. And that's actually made in our fat cells. And so that's often why part of the reason why women get a little bit more fat around their t- their belly and their hips after menopause. And that's essential. We need that fat because we need it to make estrogen which is vital for our health our bones all of those things
0: and it's going to keep us that little bit happier yeah a exactly. little bit of think,
1: keeps us happier yeah and when women know that it's like oh it's this self-acceptance of oh this is what this little bit of that is for it's because it's doing something really important in my body but the other thing is with that you know gaining weight thing is that estrogen e2 is a really good insulin sensitizer so it helps us to have lower insulin it also Mm -hmm. is an appetite suppressant it also is anabolic which means it helps to build muscle and so does testosterone so when that goes down Um, they're part of the reasons why our metabolism drops post-menopause. So it's like if you think about um, if we're a model of a car, we're a more energy-efficient model post-menopause. We don't need as much energy. So our our metabolism drops and, you know, if we're wanting to um, maintain good health, we usually need to change course a bit, usually eat a little bit less. Um, because our metabolism goes down by about 15%. Because we're more Mm -hmm. insulin resistant, and that happens with age and then those hormonal shifts that we talked about, Um, you know, things like intermittent fasting can be more helpful, a lower Mm -hmm. carbohydrate diet, um, making sure you're getting enough protein and fibre, and then remembering that stress, cortisol, that all increases our insulin as well. So making sure we're slowing down, we're managing our stress levels. And then when you realise that your metabolism, your physiology has changed, you can hack it so that you have a really optimal life for the next 40 years.
0: It sounds like there's some very good things coming if we can just get through this crazy
1: seven-year period. <laughs> yeah, and there is. And I think also think about, because we've talked a lot about the physical things that can happen with perimenopause, but also remembering that it is a big um. Um, you know, almost a bit of a spiritual transformation as well. And often things come up if we have had things that have been unfulfilled in our lives, if there were things we always wanted to do, if we arrive at this time in our lives, and we're in a spot that, you know, perhaps things aren't working, it can be a bit of a crossroads for women, Mm -hmm. it can be a wake up call in that regard. Um, So remembering that So remembering that this is a real opportunity to transition into the life that you want really and using it for that purpose too. I
0: I think that is fabulous. I love that. The fact that it really is a a signal, a sign, you know, we're always asking to the universe, give us a sign for something new and for change. And hey, it doesn't get any clearer or more more of a slap in the face (laughs) than menopause, does it?
1: And this is about your time then, you know, often we still have a lot of the pressures, but you know little kids we're not usually raising little kids um unless you've had your baby late like me which is a bit silly but um we're not raising little kids we have more time to ourselves and to think about what it is we really want and that's exciting that's and also we have the wisdom to think to to know what's actually meaningful and to do more of that to stop worrying about what other people think um and to do what makes us happy and that's that's wisdom that I wouldn't be 25 for for anything, you know. And Never think, again. No, no, never
0: again. I do think the one cruel factor about it, and perhaps it is having children later than our, our bodies um, should be, is the fact that chances of hitting perimenopause at the same time as your daughters mm. are hitting uh, their first, you know, puberty is, that's cruel. That's a cruel hand in life, isn't it? It
1: is. It's tricky, but also it depends on what lens you look at it through. If you look at it through the lens of, crazy women crazy hormones yeah, let's do this, this tumultuous <laughs> thing but if you look at it through the lens of you're going through this transition of becoming your power god what can you teach your daughter who's about to meet her power that's like that's a different lens to look at it through and you've, you you have so much wisdom with which to mm-hmm. um teach her about what it is to be a woman to tune into her body and I think that's what I'm excited about for the next generation and for our younger women is that they have the us women who are now talking about what we're going through, um, they'll have the the benefit of that and I think that's incredible rather than just, you know, here's a pad, um, you know, here's your period, that's Good it, rather that. than the rest of your cycle and your hormones and what it means.
0: I can't believe you've actually made <laughs> perimenopause and menopause I, sound
1: you're exciting. You're excited now, are you, Shelley? An <laughs> adventure that I can't wait to embark on. <laughs> Well, that was, that's my mission. Well, you've done, it. you've
0: done it for me today. And as I said, I didn't have much of a clue coming in. And that must sound to you, uh, obviously, you've heard it before. But to now be sitting here um, as a 45-year-old woman, having had been completely schooled on what is going on in my own body, uh, that's quite
1: extraordinary. It's very common, though. So common.
0: It's going to happen, isn't it? Like this is the train that is not stopping until it gets to the station. So the fact that it's coming and there's nothing that we can do to stop it really means that you have to embrace it, don't you? We have to have um, a change of outlook upon it because, you know, whether you like it or not, this is what we're all going through. Obviously, as you've pointed out, whether you're wanting to seek out help from a specialist if you're feeling that this isn't, you know, in adverted commas, uh, normal, um, or that you might want to get your hormones tested. That's something that obviously is is very individual and not necessary for everyone.
1: Yeah, that's right. So I think often I would be guided by symptoms. Um, If you, you know, like there are women who are very in tune and they know what's happening and they're not Um, not troubled by symptoms but there are 40 to 60 percent of women who are and for those women the big message is you do not have to put up with symptoms that are troubling there's lots of help out there from you know even little things can make a big difference. Like we talked about, reducing stress, changing our diet, reducing things like alcohol, cutting out smoking, um, mm-hmm. some you know changes in diet, her- herbal medications to all the way to HRT and things like that. So if you're worried about it, if if you've got troubling symptoms, see your GP. And then if they, many GPs are really, know all about menopause and can help. If you're Mm -hmm. feeling like you need more, then see a gynecologist who specializes in women's hormones. Um, Because it can be a complicated thing. I think it's important that women, first and foremost, understand what's happening um, and then they can feel empowered to make those those changes. In terms of hormone testing, um, it can be a bit of a fraught one. So often GPs will do hormone testing to see if someone is, has gone through menopause. It's very yeah. effective for that, but, you know, you know that you've gone through menopause and you know that you've stopped having your periods usually, um, so it's not that helpful when you're going through that transition because we talked about the fact that sometimes your estrogen will be super duper high sometimes it will be really low because your brain's just trying to really get the last bit of estrogen and the last bit of eggs out of those ovaries sometimes our hormone testing during that phase isn't that helpful because you know it might just show a really high estrogen Um, at one particular time of your cycle and those hormone levels change in your cycle. Sometimes if you know when to test, it can be helpful because it can help to explain some of the symptoms that women are having, but it would need to be done by someone who understands how hormones shift throughout a cycle. Um, And then the other time that I do it is if a woman is on hormone therapy um, and just as a guide to how that treatment is going, I sometimes do hormone tests as well. But the oh big right. other hormones to do at this time would be things like your insulin, that's a really big important one to do just because in your 40s, 50s, if, especially if your health hasn't been so good, your insulin can become more insulin resistant and conditions like diabetes and things like that can happen more frequently. So I'd be getting that checked as a preventative measure. Um, And also, you know, your cholesterol, lipids, those kinds of things.
0: So what about if you've had um,
1: a hysterectomy? Do you still go through menopause? Depends on the kind of hysterectomy you've had. So if you've just had your uterus taken out, which is usually what happens um, when someone has a hysterectomy pre-menopause and they have their ovaries left inside, um, they'll still go through natural menopause whenever they were going to go through it. You just won't have... Bleeding or irregular periods, but they might still have hot flushes. They might still have um, those hormonal changes. Yeah, mood symptoms, sleep, things like that. Mm -hmm. If a woman has a hysterectomy um, that has her ovaries taken out at the same time when she's premenopausal, you go through the mother of all menopauses at that time. It's really, you know, like quick. Um, mm-hmm. and can be very severe in terms of symptoms mm-hmm. for many women. And if that um, you know, if you are having to have, I mean, I would encourage women to always try not to have that happen unless it was, you know, really necessary. Um, mm-hmm. but if that was going to happen, if you needed to have a hysterectomy with your ovaries taken out, I would always see someone to make sure they're helping with your hormones straight after because. Um, women can feel I've seen women who've had that happen unexpectedly and have had a really hard time um, subsequently with hormonal issues and it's taken a little bit of like a recipe ingredients in a recipe getting the right hormones so that that woman feels like herself again so making sure you get some good advice.
0: Peter we hear it thrown around and it probably is something that friends do talk about is hormone replacement therapy. Um, Is this relatively new? Is it safe? Is it something that we should be exploring just to make that ride a
1: little less bumpy? So hormone replacement therapy has a long history. Um, I think that it's definitely something that we can have in our toolbox for um, managing symptoms because it can be great at managing symptoms, helping women to feel um, in control of their lives, and also can be potentially helpful for reducing some of some age related risks. So basically, a lot of women will have may have been frightened by this big study that came out at. Um, in the early 2000s was the Women's Health Initiative study, which um, had a finding that there was increased risk of breast cancer with HRT, one particular kind of HRT. And it was a big, it was splashed all over the media that women should just stop their HRT. So overnight, women all around the world, millions of women stopped their HRT, doctors stopped prescribing it. And then it turned out um, after many years of like, Post um, research analysis that the findings in those studies were met way overplayed and only related to one particular kind of hormone therapy and not hormone therapy as a whole. Um, so, right. the reality of the hormone therapy that we use today, the kind of hormone therapy I usually use is um, called body identical hormone therapy. So, it's the same hormones that our ovaries make rather than, um, rather than you know, uh, synthetic, uh, synthetic versions of that, but they're, they're, they're biologically mm-hmm. identical to those hormones and they tend to have way less risks. So estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone. Um, and in terms of risks, when it comes to breast cancer with using estrogen, um, the the risk of breast cancer with estrogen therapy is very low, probably at most about four per 10,000 women per year on estrogen therapy, but there isn't a higher risk of mortality or dying. And so it's important for women to understand that estrogen therapy doesn't cause breast cancer. Breast cancer usually develops, you know, 30 years and years ago, but taking estrogen can Mm -hmm. promote that growth. So often those women might find that they might have a breast cancer that's picked up. Earlier and then that's why there isn't an increased risk of death in women who are on HRT. So it's very safe, um, especially when you're taking estrogen in a patch or in a gel, um, there's not no mm-hmm. real increased risk of blood clot or stroke, which was the other um, thing that people were worried about. And also taking progesterone in a natural form um, tends to have way less of those risks and also more of a benefit in terms of um, helping with sleep and helping with mood, um, which the synthetic hormones don't have. And the thing to realize is that for women who are between 50 and 60, or you know, whenever this starts happening in their 40s, up until 60. We think that that is this time called the window of opportunity where if you do decide to have hormone replacement therapy for symptom management or for any other reason, the benefits Mm -hmm. of hormone therapy in that window probably actually outweigh any risks. So we know that there can be, in women who take hormone therapy in that window, there can be reduced risks of cardiovascular disease, so heart disease and things Mm -hmm. like that, because estrogen actually helps um, to you know, lower cholesterol. It also helps to make the, the, the blood vessels more supple and less kind of hard. Um, it can, may decrease the risk of dementia, um, again, because of probably that microvascular um, effect. Um, it can it increase, decrease the risk of osteoporosis. So it's really good for bones because mm-hmm. both estrogen and progesterone are important for bone um, growth. And osteoporosis is one of the biggest things that are, are um, can be problems for women's health after menopause. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and they're the main thing. So I think it's important to know that there are potentially Um, health promoting effects of HRT it's not something that everyone needs to be on at all it's an individual decision like we've talked about menopause isn't a medical condition that has to be fixed but many women might find that it's very helpful for symptoms and that they um, and they can be assured that it's probably more helpful than not in that time so it'll have those health benefits.
0: It's certainly sounding like it's something that everyone should consider.
1: I think everyone should have a discussion with their doctor about it, for sure. Um, I, I don't want to say that it's, you know, a, a medical condition that needs to be fixed with hormones or treatment at all, but it's something to absolutely think about when it comes to your individual health and um, have that conversation with your doctor about the nuances of, of using it for you. Um with with your individual circumstances.
0: Thank you so much for your time today, Peter. There's so many takeaways there that I will be madly making notes uh, after we hang up from our chat today. And I know that our audience and our listeners will be very grateful for your amazing depth of knowledge uh, in this subject. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of GPs too that are going to have more questions coming their way.
1: Yeah. Well, that's what we want. We want women to be able to talk to their GPs and get the treatment that they need and the information that they need so they can make the decisions for themselves and be empowered in the next 40 years of their life.
0: Well, I certainly am feeling more empowered. I hope that our listeners are also feeling more empowered and a uh, great takeaways for today. Really appreciate your time. Thank you.
1: No problem. Thanks, Shelley.
0: So, there you have it, ladies. We covered a lot in today's conversation with Dr. Peter Wright, the founder of the Vera Women's Wellness Centre. I'd suggest listening to this episode multiple times, I have, and even take some notes. For me, this conversation was a real wake-up call to just tune into my body, to listen more closely. It was an opportunity to see this topic through a very different lens. Like Dr. Peter said, this part of our lives is an invitation to feel that universal tap on the shoulder. It's an opportunity to think about what's working and what's not working for us. It's a step into our power. I I did love that. I hope I can embrace it. Of all the episodes we've done, I feel like this one really needs to be shared. So please do that today. I'd like to support Dr. Peter on her mission to rebrand menopause. We need to empower the women around us on this topic. Dr. Peter shared a similar message to our other guests, which is we all need to slow the hell down. Enough overloading our already full plates. And yes, I'm talking to you, Type A's. I know who you are now. So much to think about. Please remember to seek medical advice. If you have any concerns, book that appointment today. Do not put it off, my friends. It's also worth noting Dr. Peter and her Vera team offer virtual or telehealth appointments, so just go to their website. As always, it has been a pleasure learning and chatting with you today. I'm Shelley Kraft. Thank you so much for joining me as we learn how to age well together. The Aging Project is brought to you by Polly Studio. They're our go-to team for all things podcasting.